climb aboard if you dare for our new road trip through Scotland. Scenic and beautiful, but of course, looks can be deceiving. Join your hosts as they take you through some of the most terrifying places Scotland has to offer. If you feel safer, you're welcome to wait in the camper until we return. Just know it's had a history full of attracting some heinous, curious creatures, thus being its intended purpose, of course. Fleeing, however, would be ill-advised. Who knows what strange things you'll encounter out there, so far, far from home, where no one will hear you scream. Let us light a warm fire and begin our tale of horror. Your victims, I mean your listeners, have been warned. Tom. I'm Tom. I'm here in our cryptid camper with Shay, and we'd like to thank you for being brave enough to join us for our fourth season of the Scare Your Pants Off Our Scotland Road Trip. This is episode number six. And for our haunt, we have set up camp in the Edinburgh Festival Theater. So, how you doing today, Shay? Um, I'm doing really good. We're I, I for anybody listening, we're gearing up for uh, for a little bit of a like a Christmas themed whatever game night at uh, at Tom's house. We'll you'll get together a little hang and um, just kind of bacon and stuff like that. I know you got a lot of prep you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Um, you know, not nothing crazy, just small, but yeah. Looking forward to it. A nice day, too, today, actually. Not too bad out. It's not too cold. Yeah. So it's going to, yeah, it's going to be fun. So um, what's new? Watch anything good? Anything going on? I did. Oh. So for anybody... Again, for anybody listening, it is we are not yet at Christmas, so we record a little bit of ahead of, ahead of time. I'm sure everybody knows. Uh, so it's not Christmas yet. We are about two weeks ish out. Um, maybe less. Are we less than two weeks out? No, we're right. two weeks out. Where is it? Today oh. is the sixteenth. So yeah, never mind. Nine days we're a out. week out. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Oh my. That is, uh, so that's this time of year. That's what happens. <laughs> you think you're two weeks out and you're not even close to two weeks out now. Exactly. Um, I watched It's a Wonderful Knife. What'd you think? Oh my God. Right? I, <laughs> that is, he is Justin fucking Long. What the hell? I, he's literally the ultimate scream team. <laughs> he's fantastic. He was, and it's funny because, the movie is super campy. It really is. It's very campy. If you watch it, it's very campy. But it's still really cool. Like the like the kills are really cool, which is not always common in a in a campy movie. Um, Justin Long, what whatever they did to his mouth, and he was orange. He was yeah. orange, and the t I couldn't. I was. I struggled for like the first 10 minutes of that movie. Like what is going on with his whole face? But <laughs> so you liked it. 
it was so good. It was so, it was predictable. I mean, you saw the stuff. You knew what was happening. You knew. I mean, but it was it was it was fantastic. Everybody, you need to jump in and watch this. So good. Yeah, I, 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 when I came across it, I, I got so excited. It was late night. I like, I, I wanted to text you. It was like three in the morning when I came and I was like, I want to text Shay right now just to tell her about this. <laughs> Cause it, yeah, the orange skin and the teeth. Oh, just. Oh. It was, and he's such a, he's, it's weird. Cause like he was such a douchebag in it. He's such an asshole, but he's still, I don't know how he's still likable but I think it's literally just because he's Justin Long. Because anybody else to play a role like that, I would no longer like as a human because I can't separate characters from their actors. Um, but, but yeah, Justin Long, apparently, again, he was phenomenal. Yeah, I'm so glad you watched that because, oh God, so so good. Um, you watch anything, anything else? I also watched Leave the World Behind. Okay, I want to watch this. Uh, I've been hearing really good things about this. So... It was... So, it's funny, because I find... Some, I find the people that really didn't seem to like it missed something. Like, there was something that they didn't quite pick up on, or maybe they didn't see happen, or, or whatever. Um, it is... I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, because you haven't seen it. But it is chilling. It is, it's not like your stereotypical, like, jump scare, it's not like a slasher, there's not, you know, it, there's, like, some minor fighting, but really nothing super violent, there's um, no gore, but it's, it is, like, psychologically all too possible, and it is scary when you, like, when you really kind of let, let it sink in and sit there and think about it, it is, it is actually quite chilling. So it, it just correct me if I'm wrong. It's um, like an apocalyptic movie, but it's about technology going down, right? Is sort of the like broad stroke. Sort of, yeah. Broad stroke, sort of, yeah. Yep. Okay. It, but more, yeah. There's way more to it than that, but yeah. Yeah, I've been reading about it, and people going crazy over it too, like conspiracy theorists, because. Uh, Barack Obama is a, a movie pro, a production company yep. produced it, so they're like, "Oh, coincidence! Barack Obama apocalypse movie, technology going down." And uh, it's just like, <laughs> it is shockingly, it is, it it hits, it hits you in a way that is is super chilling because it is, it's it's not super far fetched. Like it's, it doesn't seem like something that can't possibly happen. It, it's not your standard like zombie apocalypse, whatever. It it's yeah, yeah. it's mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I remember. Um, so there's a guy. There's well, there's a few people out there claim to be time travelers, and um, he talked about. I think he said in either 2030 or 2045, um, the grid's going to go down. Basically, the inter, you know the internet and everything, and it's causes an according to this time traveler i'm using air quotes guys i know you can't see me uh, that yeah when the grid goes down it's gonna be worse than any other apocalypse that we have seen he's uh, according to this guy um but yeah people don't think about it. if it does go it's gonna create chaos chaos yeah because everything's on the grid every uh, we're so uh 
ingrained with technology now that it's not yeah. just like oh the internet's down we don't have internet oh it's back to the 80s no it's back to the stone age <laughs> like if that happens it's uh well they they intertwine like the um the effects of that again broadly stroke um yeah. with they intertwine it with the effects on nature which is actually like super interesting and there's um there's they add in like parts you're like oh that really would happen wow that is exactly and it's it's i can't say enough good things about it um what i am gonna say is um there are some slower parts so just push through it mm -hmm. watch it until the very absolute last moment or you will not understand everything okay. literally watch it till the very very end or you will miss something how is um julia roberts in it how is she in everything she's fantastic she is okay. so good all right, um, I haven't seen her in anything recently, so it's been like, yeah. like I can't remember the last thing I, I last new thing I saw her in. Um, no, she's in it. Um, Ethan Hawke's in it. Kevin Bacon's in it. And it's funny because my son always confuses Ethan Hawke and Kevin Bacon, and now they're <laughs> finally in a, in a scene together. And he was like, oh, "Okay, so yeah, they are different people." I'm like, yes, I know they're different people. I'm seeing double. <laughs> <laughs> But no, uh, she was she was great. Honestly, everybody in it was great. Um, the the daughter of one of the main the other um, main character, like not the dad from her family, but the other dad. His daughter is like at first you're like, wow, she's kind of a bitch. I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like her this whole movie. No, she makes sense. You get it. It's like it very quickly she turns and you're like, mm, yep, she's smart. Um, I like her. Nice. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, I've been reading so much about it. And then last night I was looking for something to watch and I just forgot. So I put it on the list because, like I said, I've been hearing really, really good things about it. I haven't really watched too much. I've just been keeping up with my normal Fargo. Have you still been watching Fargo? I no, because I keep forgetting again. That's what that's exactly what is happening. And I and I just with everything being like the holiday rush right now, I know I don't have a lot of time right now, but once things calm back down, yes, I'm, I will, it is, I have a whiteboard in my living room with all the stuff that I need to watch because I, my brain does not hold on to things. And Fargo is at the top of that list in big letters. Um, Cause I will not forget Fargo again for <laughs> as long as it did last time. Um, yeah, this season, I, I think this season may be my favorite so far, this, um, and, and that's tough, maybe, because there's, all seasons are so good, and it's like, I can't, you could pro probably tomorrow I might have a different answer with this series, because they're just so good, yeah. but, uh, even just the little, because it's different time periods, even from season to season, but just the little Easter eggs that tie it back and stuff is really cool. Uh. That's exciting. I, I love that. That and the, um, I, I'm still really liking Murder at the End of the World there. They, they're, um, it's pretty, it's not the greatest, but I'm into it. I'm invested now. It's definitely, it's, it's worth a check out, I would say. Murder yeah, I'm not done with that one either. I, I do plan on, that's, that is also on my living room whiteboard, so I don't <laughs> forget what I'm watching. Oh, I'm awful. 
I, I'm same way. I have I have like a hundred lists around this house. It's like I have note cards, uh, legal pads, which is different lists because I lose it and then I'll start a new one and then I find it and then yep. lose the other. I I probably yeah probably have nine or ten lists in this house of stuff that I just <laughs> over the course of four seasons we've talked about that are going on that list and just never got to everything. So. I'll, <sighs> All right. Well, should we uh, jump in for him today? <clears throat> I think we should. I, I'm very excited to. All right. Well, you have a curious creature for us today. Pay no attention to those distant screams of terror. I'm sure they're just our heinous creature or cryptid. You should be safe right here. I, I do, and I'm, I'm very excited. So this is a couple things, and this is gonna be a little bit of a punny thing. Um, it is, I, it's very short, but it's also very short, <laughs> and um, so it's really, it's really fun sounding though. So, um, I'm gonna talk about, I'm gonna pronounce it, the giggle orum, but it's G I G E L O R U M, giggly orum, I'm not sure. Giggle all of them. <clears throat> sounds right to me on that, so... Yeah, okay, perfect. Now, so, it is an insect of Scottish folklore, and it is believed to be the absolute smallest animal that there ever has been. Um, it makes its nest, so this is going to tell you how small it is. It makes its nest in the ears of mites. right so it has been suggested that it is a the figment of the imagination of scottish folklorist john campbell and the giggle orum has been used to refer to anything that is impossibly small the giggle orum are completely harmless and due the, to their extremely small scale most humans are unable to see them without a microscope, but some think that if they want you to see them, you can. And that is the giggle over them. It's very short and very and very short. So. <laughs> okay. So first of all, is that our first insect cryptid or curious? I, first one I can think of. First one I can't recall another one that other than like maybe having like like wings. I can't think of another insect though. Yeah, that was that stuck out to me right away that you said that. That's super interesting because this is something I never really even thought about an insect cryptid. But why couldn't there be? I I just right? never thought of that. Um, love that it's believed to be the smallest animal creature ever nesting in the ears of mites. That's mm. insane. I mean, because mites are. Uh, are, are mites, mites aren't even visible to the naked eye, are they? I mean, to my knowledge, I don't think so. Know, right? Even for a mite. So to be <laughs> inside a mite's ear, and I didn't know mites had ears. Um, so that's, yeah, that's apparently. I, I just learned that today. Uh, <laughs> but that's 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 wild. That's so small. I mean, I love impossibly small. Just that that quote right there because. That is impossibly small to go into the mite of a of a uh, 
or go into the ear of a mic. I mean, insane. You yeah. Mic trope to see it. <clears throat> that's a cool one. The giggle orum. Never. It, that's a new one for me. I had never heard of it, and uh, well, I love it. I love it. That's that's really really cool. It feels very fey to me, and I find I'm finding that, uh, like oh, here in Scotland now, I'm finding there's a lot of fairy f. Yes type of things and I mean I'm, I'm totally here for it like I love it it's fantastic so yeah they are big uh in the Scottish folk lot fairies and elves are huge within Scott uh, I'm finding with uh Scottish folklore they seem to pop up in almost even even when you're not discussing it, like next week my cryptid which I'm really excited for it's uh it's a really cool one I um even that even though you wouldn't associate it with fairies it does have a tie-in it's uh so it's pretty cool so no great choice i mean that was that was really cool bring and that's a new one for me so good choice well, thank you very much all right uh we have anything else on the giggle room nope i think that's all i got all right well i have the haunt this week and this week we've set up camp in the edinburgh Festival Theater. Ah, you're still here. Step on in for those terrifying haunted tales. I'm sure there's nothing to really be afraid of. So, and I've realized with all my haunts this season so far, I have not left Edinburgh. Every you have not. You are there. Uh, I am in Edinburgh, and boy, do I want to go you know, visit Edinburgh because um, there's so much cool stuff. There's so much mm -hmm. cool stuff going on here. So the Edinburgh Festival Theater was originally known as the Empire Palace Theater, which was later shortened to the Empire Theater. And it's a performing arts venue or theater located on Nicholson Street in Edinburgh, Scotland. It seats... 1,915 uh, people currently. It's a writ in its original formation. It seated up to 3,000. Nowadays, it is used primarily for opera, ballet, uh, large-scale musical events, and touring groups, and is the home of the Edinburgh International Festival and the Edinburgh. Borough home for the Scottish Opera and the Scottish Ballet. It first opened November 7th, 1892, but there was actually a different theater in this location, um, and that one had been there since actually 1830, which makes this location, not the theater, but this location, the longest continuous theater site in Edinburgh. So, um, some of the iterations it has gone by since its 1830 inception are the Dunedin Hall, the Royal Amphitheater, Alhambra Musical Hall, Queen's Theater, uh, Pablo Funk's Amphitheater, and the Newsome Circuit. When it first opened, it was considered very lavish for the times due to its plasterwork, art, and sculptures. And again, like I said earlier, it could see a whopping 3,000 originally. 
Well, that's about it, or all you guys need to know about the history, so let's jump into the fun stuff. So, over the years, staff and even patrons sometimes have reported numerous paranormal happenings within the theater. Everything from cold spots that disappear in seconds, heavy doors slumping open on their own, footsteps in the basement, orbs, streaks of light, Odd sounds and disembodied, and disembodied voices have all been reported here. But uh, here are a few of my favorite ghost stories tales from this their theater. First, we have the Great Lafayette. One of the most celebrated illusionists or magicians of the early 20th century. Born Sigmund Neuberger. He was said to be as lavish and extravagant in real life as he was while on stage performing his elaborate and mystifying illusions. In the spring of 1911, he was doing shows at the theater then known as the Empire Palace Theater. In this run of shows, he was set to, to perform his most elaborate and ambitious production to date. After he performed his finale, the Lion's Bride is what it was called, and in the in this trick illusion, uh, he swaps places with a live lion on stage. But a lamp fell on the heavily car carpeted set, quickly setting the stage ablaze, which would spread very very fast throughout the theater. In total. 11 people ended up dying, including the great Lafayette, whose body was found later under a, a trapdoor beneath the stage. It's believed that this great performer haunts the theater to this day. People have claimed to see his ghost and his diamond ring glowing in the dark. It has also been reported that a loud, blood-curdling, ear-piercing lion's roar has engulfed the venue from time to time. It is also believed that some of the other 10 victims of the fire still may haunt the theater, and some might be the cause for some of those more general haunts I discussed earlier i.e. the disembodied voices, some of the odd sounds. Just a sad story in general. Alright, next we have the Peg Leg Sailor. Long before the advent of walkie-talkies and headsets, off-duty sailors were hired to run the fly loft because of their expertise with knots and raising and lowering uh, sales. So fly loft is essentially those uh, anybody that's curious. It's the people that's uh, some, sometimes are on the side of the stage that they pull on the ropes that either brings the curtains up or down, or they might be above up above the stage and what they, it's called the catwalks. There's all a bunch of grating up there that you can walk and adjust lights and do follow uh, spotlights and all that. So. Um, these hired hands were usually stationed on the sides of the stage known as the wings in the theater or in the catwalks located high above the stage. Which I can tell you from experience, 
is, um, catwalks are a bit daunting due to how high they are, but they're super narrow because they're crisscrossing across the stage and backstage, so it is pretty uh, harrowing up, uh, up there. And supposedly, people have witnessed a small, limping figure pacing up and down the catwalks. And they have heard the sounds of a wooden leg tapping and scraping on the empty fly floor, which is side stage. And the final major apparition I'll discuss is the girl in yellow, or the girl in the yellow dress. But again, these are in no way all of the strange things going on here. From technical staff controlling the light from the follow spot box to cleaning staff to visitors, customer service staff, working in the upper echelons of the theater, staff can usually be found in the area called the upper circle. And many of these staff members have claimed to see a playful little girl playing games in between the seats in the upper circle when there are no patrons in the venue. Dressed in a bright yellow dress, she has also been known to gently play with staff members here or even softly blow on the back of their necks. Well, that's about it for what I'm going to cover, guys. But again, there is a lot, lot more going on here. Um, if you found this interesting, do a deep dive, do a Google or a Bing search or whatever, because this is this is a really cool one. And, and yet another thing added to my bucket list because um, the place sounds very, very cool. That is the Edinburgh Festival Theater. So, awesome. That was awesome. That's super intriguing. Yes, you still, you're, and I love that you're still there. I love that you haven't left there yet. Um, there's something, this is a little less on, like, the, the paranormal thing first, just because I, I, I want to make a statement, and I feel like everyone's going to agree with me. Old magic is so captivating to me, because how? There is, as we progress in time through generations, you know, even... Look what, like, uh, David Blaine, uh, look what, not, not David Blaine, but look like what, like, different magicians can do now. And there's so much they have at their resource to use to manipulate and to fool and to trick and to give the illusion of those things. And it was, it had to have been so much harder back then. So much harder that it's almost, it, I almost have a little more respect for like magicians back then because it it's a whole different world yeah i i'm actually glad you brought that up because that was that thought did cross my head as i'm doing as i'm researching this that just yeah it's it, it's something almost like romantic about old magicians yeah. and old illusion um, but you brought up somebody and i have feelings about this person I, i'm curious on your feelings david blaine you already I don't knew, know why. Knew right I away. don't know why he's the first name that come out of my face because I and this might be an unpopular opinion, but um, I don't like him. I think he's fucking horrible. 
thank you. I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't it. either. Most of his stuff is not magic or illusion. No. It's like- He's sitting on ice. Yeah. What, what is that? How is that magic? No, you're being stupid or what well, you're doing is stunt. Don't call yourself a magician. Call yourself a stunt man or something because he does weird shit, but it's not magic. Yeah, I'm going to stay in this box for a week. Okay. So you're tough. <laughs> I mean, cool. yeah, but yeah. I, I, I have, okay, I'm so glad because I know some people like obsessed with David Blaine and I just don't get it. I just, I give, mean, me, yeah. give me David Copperfield all day long over David Blaine. That's what I was, tr that's the name I couldn't get to come out of my face. I did not, I had by no means wanted to say David Blaine when I was talking about a magician because he's not. Yes, David Copperfield, that's, that's the name that I couldn't get to come out of my face. I love, I love what he does. I love any, I love like the sleight of hands. I love the card tricks. I love stuff like that. Cause it's, it, like, I don't, I don't know how you can get someone's watch off and then not, that blows my freaking mind. I love it. But yeah, David Blaine is not a magician. He's, he's a, he's a, he's a look at me stunt man. And that's really about it. I like that. I, I, I will only refer to him as a stunt man now. Because I, I couldn't think of a good way to put it, but that's what he is. He's not a magician. He's a stuntman. No, exactly. Now, going back to again the old the old magic, the balls to right. use, to use a to use a lion when you know you know and I know that that maybe <laughs> um, they yeah. didn't they didn't have the safety resources that I feel like we. We probably have now, and even with those safety resources, things could still happen. Mm -hmm. And in that trick, he's—I—I I don't. Did you? Did you bring up a a girl? I can't remember if you brought up. Did he have an assistant with him? Because she—I know traditionally uh, uh, a lot of times in that trick. I I didn't see that he had an assistant. I assume he did because it said he was the biggest act around and like traditionally yeah. they had it, but I did not see a assistant in research. It didn't come up if she was part of it died in the fire if he did have one. But yeah. I kinda assume he did. So a lot of times traditionally in that trick, so the way I'm picturing um the way I'm picturing that trick in my head is it's it's typically one way or another, a, a lovely female assistant ends up in a cage with the lion. Somehow, it's she either like uh, they either do like the metamorphosis trick and she ends up in there, or mm -hmm. she's just in there and the lion's coming or whatever. And then the and then the magician turns into the lion, which means at some point in time, they're they're in there with the lion. That's probably that scares the crap out of me. I don't. They're beautiful. I have nothing but respect for these animals, but there's really, there's, there's not, it would be a lot of money for me to be like, yeah, I'm going to jump in this cage real quick yeah. and I'm sure it's fine because uh, he could fit. And I have a big head, but I'm pretty sure one could fit my head in its mouth. And I have okay. a really big head. Um, well, I'm pretty sure too, now that I think about it, as you're saying it, the trick was called the lion's bride. So he yeah, probably did have... Go is an assistant so Sorry, but that is oh no it's fine i i love i love that it's i love the thought of hearing the lion's roar i love that that's kind of still part of it it's it's very i feel like of the sounds we talk about in this in this uh podcast that 
the lion's roar would probably be amongst the ones that would get the biggest like jolt out of you. Yeah, I I would think so. And I think I, I, this is just an addendum. I, I I saw conflicting things, but I think the lion did die in the uh, in the fire as well. Which I, I think I'm it not would be hard to. It would be hard to rescue it though, if you think about it. I mean, it makes yeah. it not that you want anybody to die in a fire, but like, yeah, it's I I can't fathom how they would rescue a panicking lion that quickly. It, I don't see yeah. how it would happen. While you're trying to rescue humans, and uh, this lion yeah. or fire breaks out, probably going a little crazy. <laughs> I yeah. would think, you know, after a fire. So, no, sadly, I'm I'm sure that. There, there had to be some prioritizing of, mm-hmm. yeah, human you know, life. But, yeah, um, which again, that's and it is sad, but it's it, it is unfortunately what it is. Um, but I love I love the image of the ghost magician kind of being there. I also love the peg leg ghost. And do we feel like that was like an like? Your thoughts? Do you feel like it was an actor dressed for a part? Do you feel like it was actually maybe like someone visiting the theater? Like, what do you think? I do. I actually, I think because because of where he was found, I think it was a sailor that was hired to um, to run the flies um, and it, or the spotlights or something. And um, that's just from the research I was doing, because like I said, it was common for them to hire the sailors uh, just because they had their experience with knots and raising masts and stuff on boats. So that's what I think. Why he had a peg leg, I can't, I, I don't know. Were peg legs that common in the late 1800s, early 1900s? I, I, I feel like they may have been sort of phased out by then, but I don't know. Um, but that is sort of what I believe. I believe that it was a sailor. He was hired um, to do a, 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 to work in that theater, maybe on its off season, had a peg leg, I guess. And uh, why? What do you think? I, no, I, I was kind of having the same thought. I just I wasn't sure because you you know more about like obviously you know way more about like theater and stuff like that. So I don't know if that's something that they would have like someone that's in the in the cast deal with, or if it would be like someone that they hire outside or, or whatnot but yeah, usually for so normally like a theater has a company of people that it works with and it's in the company it can be some actors but it's a lot of backstage people there's two light operators uh fly operators crew people that just uh, do set changes and um stuff like that but it sounds like and i never knew this until doing this research it sounds like at that time it will um for the fly for bringing up and down the curtains and everything they went outside the theater company because these guys were so good at it that's what it seemed like to me like i said i'm by no means an expert on you know 1800s uh english theater or scottish theater but um that's kind of the impression I got that these guys were hired outside because it was less training. They were strong because people don't realize yeah. how heavy those curtains are. Oh, curtains yeah, are I can imagine. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds, if not yeah. more. On a bigger theater, they could be up to a thousand pounds. Just to, uh, so, um, 
that's what it seemed like to me. Again, if anybody out there is listening and you know better you or anything, please write in and correct, correct me, correct us, because um, I'm fascinated by all this stuff. So, it's, uh, yeah. Now, and then just to touch on um, one of the other ones, is you talked about sightings of the little girl in the yellow dress. Mm-hmm. Now, just because, I mean, I've, I've read a lot of, and not even just for this episode, like, I, I've, like, in my 41 years, I have read a lot of stuff about different haunts, different places, different sightings, different meanings, and so on and so forth. What is amazing to me is the not just the number of little girl apparitions, not just the number of little girl apparitions in a dress, the number, the volume of apparitions of a little girl in a yellow dress very specifically is like huge it's astronomical and i know like i know like yellow has like its symbolism with both good and bad but i mean i'm assuming on a little girl it would be something good like joy and peace and, and whatnot maybe not peace but um i know like yellow means like optimism and mm-hmm. and whatnot so but it's it's just it's crazy to me because when you said the little girl in the yellow dress i'm like that is like literally this it's so common i'm sure it's not the same little girl or maybe it is the same little girl i have no idea but it's just that that stood out because that is so that happens so often that is seen so often it's crazy any theories do you uh, personal theories as to why so i mean again if you look back at the you look back at the color yellow it, it, it could be um optimism hope sunshine things like that and when it when seen on a little girl i'm gonna go the mile and say that i think that is probably a peaceful thing like that not something Mm -hmm. um less wonderful like cowardice and and stuff like that so um they're seen a lot of times in places where a lot of death has happened so that actually kind of makes me feel like why i think it is like a sunshine or a hope or an optimism because it's like there's a battlefield in I think it's Georgia. You have to excuse me, but I know there's like a, there's a little girl in a yellow dress seen in a battlefield, and I think it's in Georgia, but I, I, I'm not 100 percent sure. But it's believed that um, she would be spotted by soldiers as they were dying, and it's hmm. and that and that's just one of like the numerous things. So I almost feel it's in a creepy way. The, the different ways that I've seen her a lot of times it almost seems like she's deaf but not not like the Grim Reaper uh, you know or, or dark hooded scary whatever but it, it almost feels like she's she's deaf for the honorable I like deaf, deaf for those who need peace maybe I, I don't know it's it's, uh, it's I never really thought about it too, too much, but now just kind of spitballing is kind of how it feels. I like that. And I'm glad you brought that up because it also reminds sort of, you know, like every state in the United States has a lady in white or a lady in red. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, you know, like the, it's either she's on a cliff walking or she's hitchhiking, but it seems like every state has a lady. So that's, I'm, yeah. that's really cool. I didn't mean to put you on the spot like that, but uh, I just found that find it fascinating. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, oh, right. Uh, yeah, that one was actually uh, it was a lot of fun researching that one. Um, do we have anything else on the Edinburgh Festival Theater? 
no, I think I think that's everything that I had for that. It was really good though. Alright. Okay. Well, I believe you have a strange encounter for us this week. Uh, you survived. Just long enough for our encounter beyond strange. I do. So I'm I'm gonna call my strange encounter. So I had another strange encounter lined up, and as very as <laughs> seems to be very much the case in Scotland, it tied into one that I already did. So <laughs> <laughs> because there's no consistency with the names, it's all of these are called this and this and this and this. So I I don't know. I got confused, and I went a different way. Okay. I'm gonna talk about Operation. Main brace. Now, Operation Main Brace is actually something different, but it has something to do with some really cool sightings. Now, for anybody wondering, Operation Main Brace was a large-scale naval exercise. So, uh, in multiple alliances, had something to do with um, the exercises that were going on. But I'm going to talk about um, a couple specific days within the time that it was going on. So I'm going to talk about uh, September 19th of 1952. Now, military flying personnel were... This is how it started, and it's really funny. So military flying personnel were jokingly told that perhaps they should keep an eye out for UFOs because just before this began, there were a string of UFO sightings. So they were jokingly told that they should probably keep an eye out, but it turned out probably a good idea. Now, again, on September 19th of 1952, a silver object, oblong in shape, followed a military jet back to a Royal Air Force base, and it was spotted by observers on the ground. Mm. And then on September 21st, six Royal Air Force planes followed an object now fitting the same description over the North Sea. And then one other time that I can't find a date for, but it said it's that it's in this group, another plane was followed back to a Royal Air Force base in a different Royal Air Force base by a silver oblong shaped craft. Hmm. So it's a really short one, but that is, that's three incidences now in a matter of a short period of time where the like the literal military is seeing these things and and following them in one case and then being followed by them in other cases so that feels very very much being observed what about you think what do you think yeah yeah very much so um and we've heard in, in doing this show we've seeing this where UFOs, UAPs, whatever, either sort of around military, usually air in the United States will be Air Force, um, or there's been sightings of them like circling nuclear silos, stuff where we keep nuclear um, weapons and nuclear technology. Um, but we also, even just some of those released videos in 2020, whatever it was, when they released all those those Air Force uh, videos, it, it looks like they're 
following or messing with some of our Air Force. So I find this very, very interesting. And this goes back to 1952. So um, a lot earlier than what we heard about a couple years ago, even though we know it was probably happening before him. Something really interesting. Yesterday, uh, so one of the podcasts I listened to is, it's just a comedy podcast. It's uh, hosted by David Spade and Dana Carvey. It's called Fly on the Wall. And it's basically, it's a comedy one, it, it's, but it, it, basically they interview people that have either been cast members on SNL or hosted SNL, been the musical guest on SNL, or have even some sort of just periphery um, relation to SNL, you know, it, they've gone on, some people have like never hosted, never a musical guest, but you know, familiar friends with Lauren Michaels or something. But the most recent episode I was listening to was Dan Aykroyd, and was the guest, I and I love Dan Aykroyd, and he's a big, big UFO guy, big uh, paranormal, all that Ghostbusters. He wrote that. That was yeah, that was his. In I mean, yes, it's a comedy. It's an amazing film, one of the great films. Um, but you know, that was part he believed in that stuff and alien, and it, it, this came up. It actually, this whole thing, the whole aliens came up because both. Uh, David and Dana believe in varying, you know, degrees, but they do believe in the paranormal and UFOs. And Dan Aykroyd talked about his, he's had, he's seen four UFOs in his time, but he actually specifically was talking about how in this, uh, they would follow these Air Force guys. So just kind of a small world that I was listening to this yesterday and where it comes up today. And um, really, really, really interesting there plus again he's, he's very knowledgeable on the subject I, I, I any of you guys check out fly in the wall especially that episode because it's uh not only funny but they get into stuff like that plus he talks about his vodka um but uh yeah no this is this is very very interesting so it was you know follow the air force jet then then they followed it uh follow that over uh, one over the North Sea, and then they were followed again by, um, yeah, that would be that would be observing to me, watching. That's what it seems like to me. Seeing seeing our capabilities, maybe I am um, as far as you know, flying and what other technologies that they may have had at those times. Because um, I just don't feel like aliens would come down for a wicked game of chicken in the sky or no, something no. yeah i could be wrong maybe they are maybe there's there's some mischievous aliens up there that'll just like let's go fuck with humans but i feel like more if, if they're coming to research and whatever so well it's it's chilling if you really kind of think about like what exactly what you just said though so that if they're coming down the research they don't need our technology. They don't need to learn anything from us mm. as far as that goes. What are they researching? What are they, What it, uh, like, how it's, we are taking a fight? I don't, like, it's, it's it terrifies me how much we're poking around up there because I, I do not want to, they do not need to learn from us. They don't need our technology. They are clearly far more advanced than we are by eons. Mm -hmm. So, like, yeah. yeah, they're observing us to learn something, but it's probably not what we want them to learn. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, that that's a great question, and, 
like I said, I go back to, I do think about, like, them, there's a big theory that, you know, with nuclear power, like I said, they've been seen circling nuclear plants and places where we have nuclear technology all throughout the world, and there's, you know, theories that they want us to get away from the nuclear power, and some people theorize it's because maybe some of those species, you know, wipe themselves out, you know, and the other species have seen these species wipe themselves out with the nuclear power and everything nuclear. Because, I mean, that's what I feel like we're almost on the verge of that anyway between Russia, Ukraine, <laughs> Israel, yeah. and, and we're in a scary time. So, but yeah, that's a great question. What really, because if they can get here and if they can travel speed of light, they don't need our technology. What are they, what do they need? What, what, mm -hmm. what, are, unless it is, uh, hey, we need to stop these crazy, these crazy bastards from blowing themselves up. <laughs> That's, or, and, and hear me out, this sounds like super far fetched and like literally just popped into my head. What if they're able to thrive in a nuclear winter situation? So they're just looking for more places to expand to. Like, what if, what if, like, the radiation and, the, and whatever else would be, you know, in the air in a nuclear situation, a nuclear, like, a nuclear apocalypse, whatever you want to call it, uh, what if that's how they thrive? What if that's where they thrive? And so everywhere that they're stationed now, and they're just picking up these, like, planets here and there because other civilizations are nuking themselves to death. Wow, that's a terrifying thought. <laughs> that right? is a terrifying thought, but I love it because I mean I had I'd never really thought of it in that perspective. But yeah, yeah. holy shit! Mm -hmm. And uh, it would it wouldn't be unheard. I mean, there are species that we uh, like in earlier Earth times that you know they they basically how they they breathed with arsenic or um, or other types of things. So yeah, I mean, what if this? Oh God, that. That scares me now. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. But no, that's a, a great, great thought. Very cool choice. I, uh, I, the, uh, it, like I said, sometimes the shortest ones are the best ones, just because they it just get it, it gives you, it lets your mind just kind of go in a bunch of different directions to see what's going on here. Love that. Great choice. Um, oh, thank you, thank you. Did you have anything? else for them on that uh nope not that i can think of i think that's everything all right well i guess that's it guys so thanks for joining us we are so glad that you made it out alive and be sure to come back next week when our heart brings us to the lennox tower so until then happy camping bye thanks guys they're all yours now, boys. As always, thank you for joining us. Come back next week, if you're brave enough. For those looking to take it one step further, be sure to join us on Facebook and Instagram. And check out our terrifying new website, too. SYPOPodcast.com and spread the word. Tune in on all major platforms.